Rabbi Pesach Crone needs no introduction. One of our favorite guests here at JM in the AM, author of so many books. I looked at the back of the brand new book, The Grandeur of the Magid. The jacket has a picture of some of Rabbi Crone's books. There are 20 books there. There are 20 books in addition to the CD-ROMs and DVDs and other things that he's responsible for. Uh, but it's just remarkable. The brand new one is called The Grandeur of the Magid. It's an art scroll book. You know the rule. You go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio for your free shipping and major discount. Always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. The book is called The Grandeur of the Magid. It is a delight to welcome Rabbi Pesach Krohn back to JM and the AM. Rabbi Krohn, good morning to you. Good morning and mazel tov. Thank As you. As a matter of fact, at the bridge that I was just at in Burgerfield, Somebody said to me, I got to get my bagel quick. I'm listening to, you know, JM and the AM in about five minutes. <laughs> that is great. So I just want to say hello to the Marathi family who is so loyal to the Bris and to you. I love it. And thank you to the Marathis, the great friends and supporters. And it's a pleasure no to, to wish them a Mazel Tov. And uh, I, I, I look, Rabbi Krohn, I said this to you off the air the other day. The last time you were with us was a really, really difficult time for what me and the network and my family were going through. And boy, that conversation was so amazing and incredible. So I thank you for that. And I'm glad that we could speak today in an air and an atmosphere of great simcha and joy and a lot of smiles on um, people's man. faces. Baruch um, Hashem. By the way, Rabbi Krohn, can you do me a favor? Could, could, you, could you just repeat, before we get to the book, which we will in a minute, could you repeat, because it was so brilliant and we're in those partios right now. Could you repeat the Vayave La'aviv uh, that you told me about back in April? Do you remember that one? Yes, of course. To me, it's one of the greatest insights that I ever heard from Chaim Kanievsky. Now, for the audience to appreciate it, they really should write down these two words, and I'll spell it out for you, and you will see Rav Chaim's brilliance. The story is in the Torah where Esav brings food to his father Yitzchak in order to get a bracha. And the words that the Torah uses are Vayove Le'oviv. Vayove is spelled Vov Yud Beis Aleph. And Le'oviv is Lamed Aleph Beis Yud Vov. Now, those of you who have written it out will see remarkably that it's a palindrome. Amazing. A palindrome is a word that you can read it frontwards and backwards, like mom, pop, race car, radar. And Rav Chaim, first of all, that I even noticed that it's a palindrome. We've said these words a thousand times every time we, <laughs> but what he brought out was a, such a great thought that the way you treat your parents, that's how your children are going to treat you. So Amazing. I always say, if somebody wants to know why he's got nasty kids, what he should do is look in the mirror. Amazing. I'll tell you, what a vart. What an incredible vart. And like I said, it's these partios now, so I thought it was certainly worth yeah, repeating. Sure. The book is yeah. called The Grandeur of the Magid, Resplendent Stories of Inspiration and Elevation. How many times have you used the word resplendent in your life, Rabbi Crone? I need to know. Every time I speak to you. <laughs> I didn't even know the word until I looked it up, but it's on the cover of your book, and it does describe these stories and how inspiring and elevating they are. Uh, uh, look, and, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say the reason that I used the word elevating is because I knew we were going to use a picture of mountains. And the graphic genius at Oscar, Ellie Crone, who's a Hasidisha fellow, not related to me, but, you know, we're like brothers. And uh, he said, listen, we can't use mountains in the daytime because that's on many covers. Let's, let's try to see if we can get something at night. And if you take a look at the cover, it is so resplendent. Yeah. It is amazing. It, it's, it's stunning. It's just unbelievable. 
What an image. And now that you pointed that out, boy, you, you don't judge a book by its cover, folks. But when you see this cover, it may incline you to uh, to go ahead and buy it, frankly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that uh, is true. Look, you know what Mayus Lotto was almost telling once said? Yeah. He said, anybody who says you can't judge a book by its cover never tried to sell one. <laughs> you know why people are told not to judge a book by, by its cover? Because human beings judge books by their cover. That's why. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's right. why we're told not to do it. Look, I, I've got, as you know, I've gone through the book and I've already outlined five, six stories. That I oh, must, tell me. That, well, tell me which ones you yeah, like. Exactly. But I don't know. I, I always feel like we have to start with the first one. And this story that you tell of the family that's traveling in Israel and a terrible, terrible encounter happened when somebody in the family had to use the bathroom. Simple as that. Yeah. And they go into a restaurant and the, the, the waitress who gives permission to this non-customer, the kid, to use the bathroom gets into serious trouble. And then you got to tell us what happened after that. And it is one of the greatest stories I have ever heard. And I get so many comments. <laughs> and that's why I made it the first story. What happens is that the waiter is yelling at this father and telling him, how could you do this? You know, you all your religious Jews, you're the same. You take advantage of, uh, of a place and you don't even buy anything. And the guy says, you're making a mistake. We're all coming in. He says, what do you mean we're all? Who's all? He says, uh, my seven children and my wife. We've got nine people here. And this guy's fainting and he sets up two tables. And these kids had been told they're not going to any restaurants right. because they were on a modest budget. Yeah. And they, ne they never saw prices and food like this. And each kid has one dish and one drink. And then at the end, they notice that their waiter's coming to their table with ice cream and cake and sparklers. And the father stands up and says, excuse me, we didn't order dessert. There's a mistake here. And the owner of the restaurant says, um, you know, I just want to tell you what happened. Um, when, when you guys sat down at the table, the uh, waitress came in and she was crying in the kitchen. And we said, what happened? She said, I just saw something that somebody did for me. Nobody in my life ever did that for me. She said, these parents were not going to buy anything. And they just came and ordered food only because I should not get in trouble. They're spending a fortune just to save my skin. And he said, for special people, we want to do special things. So then what happens is the father asks for the bill. And the waiter writes down by order of the uh, owner and next time you come here, anytime you come, it's only 50%. It's 50% off. So fine. So then the father says, yeah, but I want to pay for today as well. So the owner comes and says this great line. He says, shut it off, menu. He says, we, uh, in this restaurant, we have a policy. We only charge people. We don't charge malachim. Unbelievable. How many good deeds are in that story? Oh my the wa God. The waitress, simple enough, who has the Rachmanas on the kid. Right. The, the father, who does not have the money to spend <laughs> on this kiddish Hashem. He doesn't have it. And, right. and and sees the situation and says, I'm not going to cause, God forbid, any rift or kiddish or a Hashem or or problem right. between the waitress and the head waiter and all. I'm not going to do any of that. I don't care what it costs. And he goes ahead and sits his family down. You know what nine mains and drinks are, Rabbi Chrome? That's, that's, that's quite a bill. That's quite a bill for a from family. You know what I mean? That's right. And, and then, of course, the best part, as you just described, that he still wanted to pay. But yeah. no, when you're when you're an angel and you do something like that, you don't get charged in that restaurant. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is just amazing. So many lessons we could learn. I love I love when you have stories where we could learn multiple lessons as as, yeah. as our. Can most I of you. tell you yeah. a great story that sure. I don't know if you saw it, but 
you as, as somebody who was has lived in the Lower East Side would appreciate this story about Ramesha. Yeah. I have it. It's called Verbal Purity. Now, this is so amazing. What happens was that when Rabbi Ruvain, Zosangazun, started his yeshiva in Staten Island, Rabbi Moshe, of course, was much younger. And he went to L.A. to raise funds for his son's yeshiva. Right. And there was a family that knew that uh, Rabbi Moshe is coming for dinner. So they were all waiting, and then the bell rang. Now the father was going to go open the door, but the four-year-old kid ran and opened the door first. And he takes one look at Rabbi Moshe, and he says, Are you Hashem? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so Rabbi Moshe smiles, and he says in Yiddish, Hashem went in the Himmel. Hashem lives in the heavens. So the kid says, then you must be his best friend. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> I love it. I'll tell you. Right? Pesach Kron is with us. The book is called The Grandeur of the Magid. The Grandeur of the Magid. We have spent so many years talking to my Kron about all the Magid books. It's amazing that in 2022 we get to do the same thing uh, or get to do it again, I should say. Artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio for your free shipping and your major discount. All right, let's go to the air train, Rabbi Crone. Let's oh go to the air God. train. How do you pick out the best one? It's amazing. Because I'll tell you something. It's, a, it's one of the things that really attracted me to this story is it's so simple. It's so simple. The, the, right. the woman the woman says to her husband, the greatest thing you could do for me now a day or two before Pesach is to take all the kids out of the house. We've all been there. It's not a big deal. We've all done it, right? All the fathers right. in the community right. have done this, right? It's the best Love thing. It. It's the best thing you could do. They get out. Right. So, so he decides, right? Economically sound father decides right. <laughs> that they're going to drive to the airport. And the kids had never really seen the insides of an airport or how it works or the airplanes parked, right. etc. And they're going to take the air train back and forth because, you know, the train ride is fun and free. Right. And, and the airport's a really cool place to show the kids. And they, they see a, a pilot walk aboard the air train, and the pilot is obviously intrigued about this large family and says, where are you going? And they say, we're going nowhere. We're not going anywhere. And he, right. and, and he says, and, he, and then the father explains to the pilot what he means by that, that it's about to be Passover. My wife said, please take the kids out of the house, etc. And this pilot says the following, and everyone out there, please listen. This pilot says the following, I have been an airline pilot for more than 25 years and flown all over the world there's no major airport i haven't flown to two years ago i got a text from my son who wrote you didn't come to my graduation you've never been here for my birthday and now you weren't even here for the birthday of my child your grandchild please remove my number from your contacts shortly after that my daughter wrote the same thing he says to the father i have flown everywhere and gone nowhere you say you and your kids are going nowhere it's not true it seems to me you and your kids are going everywhere do you know, I must tell you, Nahum, I told this story in Toronto. It must have been a couple hundred people. When I said that punchline, there was a woman that was sitting right in front of me. She must have been in the third row. She just burst into tears and started crying. I, I felt so bad for her because obviously that story spoke to her and what she had done with her family and, you know, gone nowhere. It was I felt so embarrassed for her because she just exploded in tears. It was it was awful. You know, I want to tell you something. The uh, you know the and I know it's not possible for every parent to do everything, obviously. But you know, it's, it's sort of like years ago when someone said to me, "Always have a trip to Israel scheduled every month because if you have once <laughs> if you have one scheduled every month, you'll go at least once a year, right? Right. So put, right, right. put every play, put every basketball game, put every chumish celebration, put every siyum, put every 
everything of your kids on the calendar. You may not get to everything, but you'll get to the majority of it. And we as adults, because we don't remember what it's like as kids, we as adults think, ah, what's the big deal? Show up for this, show up for that. Do my kids even care, even notice, and look at the the roastrim that it makes on an airline pilot who regrets everything that he's done professionally because of his family. Right. Right. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. What can I say? You get me going here, Rabbi Crone. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we gotta, now we go to page 183. And on page 183, you tell this amazing story. Uh, grateful to your friend and my dear friend, Rabbi Ron Eisenman from Passaic. The kid is standing up there doing his bar mitzvah speech. That's what he's doing, right? He's at the height of his, you know, of, of the greatest celebration he's waiting months for, right? Right. And what does he want? He says one thing from that podium. He wants the two grandfathers on the two sides of the family who obviously, based on his comments, are not speaking to each other to dance with him together in the, right. mi- in the middle of the circle. Unfortunately, because his parents were divorced. I can't believe that you chose that story because I know there's got to be hundreds of listeners yep. that are in this position. Yep. And, uh, you know... It, it, it's hard to judge any family. Nobody can say whether they should or should not have gotten divorced. But I'm telling you, what I have seen is that the children become carbonates. They become sacrifices when there is a divorce and when their parents are not getting along. It is so painful. And this poor child, that's more than anything else that he wanted. And no one knew he was going to say it. Because yeah, I guess somebody, whoever prepared the drusher with him, he didn't say he was going to say it. And slowly but surely, this little boy walked over to one of the grandfathers, and he walked over to the other grandfather together, and everybody was crying, but they were dancing. It makes me cry when I tell it to you. And it's so sad. And I would suspect, I would suspect, just based on life experience, that it, it changed, even if it didn't completely, you know, bring everybody together, it certainly changed the relationship for the better. Oh, positively. Yeah, I mean, positively. there's no question about that. And I love how you say that there's hundreds of people out there in, in similar situations. It's not just divorce. There are people right. out there right now, you know, whose families are torn apart by any stupid situation. I mean, you know, I, I could list you, you know, I could list you a hundred reasons. None of them would be, would seem, you know, valid or, 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 you know, serious enough to, to split people apart. So for Hanukkah, I'm going to say to all the young people out there for Hanukkah, if you're in a situation like that and one of the adults turns to you and says, what do you want for Hanukkah? Maybe answer them that. I just want everyone to be talking and everybody to, you know, to be together. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And you know, something that's so interesting you mentioned about getting together. You know, I, I quoted Rabbi Katz recently. I mean, you know, he's a genius. Yep. But, and so I don't know if this thing, which I'm going to tell you right now, is his own or he saw it in the safer. But we know Hanukkah is a very uh, materialistic type of holiday. There's gifts, there's vacations, right. there's parties, there's lockets. But you know what he said? He said it's very spiritual. The word nefesh, which is spelled nun peishin, stands for Nair, Sila, and Shemen. Hmm. Interesting. That and that's right. candle, wick, and oil. Right. Isn't that in the word nefesh? And and it, it symbolizes there's a lot of ruchnias to the holiday of uh, of, of Hanukkah. Yeah. And I'll tell you another thing, which I told over, only Rabbi Avadi Yosef could have come up with this. You know what he said Mashiach stands for? Yeah, You're going to think. <laughs> Madlikin Shemoinas Yemei Hanukkah. We light the candles on the eight days of Hanukkah. Pretty amazing. Isn't that pretty amazing? That is pretty amazing. And I'll tell you that <laughs> you, you are one who appreciates 
I have to be careful how I say this. You are one who appreciates these these secretive to some people seemingly silly observations. You know what I'm saying? When it comes yeah. to abbreviations, even the yeah. even the uh love it, right? Love it, right? Right. But you know what I believe? I believe those are the Saidas of Torah. In other words, you and I would have read that Pasuk a hundred times. And then here, Rav Chaim brings it out, and it's life-changing. It's amazing. What a lesson. Yeah, so true, so true. Uh, you have what is, uh, I mean, in the section entitled Personalities of Pro- Pro- Prominence, uh, you, right. ha- you have what's almost a full section on Rav, uh, on Rav Kanievsky. Right, um, right, and, right. And you talk about the... Um, some of the things you said at one of the public events, I think you even mentioned this uh, the last time you were on uh, about the tremendous admiration you had for him. Um, yes. I mean, tell tell us something about Reb Chaim which set him apart. What What is something about him that... What, what set him apart to me, besides his learning, of course, was that his son-in-law, it, it's not like I heard it from anybody else. I heard it from his own son-in-law, Rabbi Yitzchak Kaladetsky, He said every single morning, every single morning, when Rav Chaim finished davening, he didn't go straight to the car, he went to his mother's house. And either he had a small breakfast there or he schmoozed with her. Every He never missed seeing his mother every day. You know what that means? That's that's that kibbut of aim, and that's that vayovela oviv. That's the manifestation of kibbut ava and family relationships. He had he was so close to his family, as was his rebbitzes. And you know something? I'll tell you a great thing that his son-in-law told me that after Rab Chaim's mother passed away, he stopped going, and a week or two later, he met his father, the stipler, and the stipler said to him in Yiddish. Then, of course, I'll translate. I also used to enjoy when you came. And Rabbi Chaim's mouth dropped open like he couldn't believe it. His father, the God of wants to schmooze? Yeah, because the father loves his son. He wants to talk to him. And they, well, I'm sure they spoke in different Torah, but for the next 12 years, he never missed a day until the stipend passed away that he didn't go visit his father. Uh, no greater what? expert on Torah personalities than yourself. Why is it that... Why is it that that often what a Torah giant does that seems to us the right thing to do gets celebrated. I am not minimizing what you just said, uh, visiting his mother on a daily basis. Obviously, I'm not minimizing that. But is it is it sad that 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 is the exception and we make a big deal out of it? Is it is, is it you know you know what I'm trying to say? Like, like yes, I know exactly. Every, every, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the answer is. You know, we take each other for granted. And we're so busy, especially in a big city like New York, and we have so much on our plates. And Claudia Yisrael has gone through a lot in the last couple of years. COVID, Marone, Surfside, Ukraine. You know, it, it could be very, I, I hate to use this word depressing, but it, it gets down to a person and you don't think of the basics. And we take each other for granted. And, and, and when we see great people, you know, like one of the other people that I wrote about, I don't know if you had this close to know him, Rabbi Moshe Newman. It was a great machanach who was the principal in Beis Yaakov for close to 50 years. He would get down on one knee and talk to a child that was crying, a first grader, a second grader. This was a principal who loved every student, and there were 600 in the school. So that's really what a principal should be like. And, 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 and you know, he was that way. So when you see that somebody takes the time to do something special and doesn't take life for granted, then unfortunately, we're not used to that, and it should be celebrated and talked about. 
Well, uh, you mentioned in one of the stories the your own mother, and you've spoke, yeah. oh you've, you, you've spoken on the air with us right. about the influence that she had on you and what was a an incredible relationship that you had with her. Yeah. Um, do you sometimes think about what people like her and others from the prior generation would be thinking uh, about what's going on today, about some of the... You know, I can't believe you're saying that. You know how many people I've told that to recently? My mother was born in Philadelphia. Except for Ben Franklin, she was probably the most loyal <laughs> citizen in the United States. She taught me a love for America and a love for uh, American ideals and democracy. She would be heartbroken What what's going on today with woke and all these other terrible things that are going through Congress now at this time. You know, she she, she would be heartbroken what's happening to her beloved country. I wonder what she would say about the anti-Semitism issue. Oh, my goodness. So frightening. So frightening. Really. You know, I, I think that one of the things that we have to be so careful is to always be making a Kiddush Shem Shemayim. I don't yeah. know if you saw the story of Sheila Feinstein. And uh, oh, you got to see that story about Sheila Feinstein, the Kiddush Hashem that she represented and she made. Just so fabulous. And I think that if we would just realize that you can't hide that you're a Yid, whether you're on the highway, whether you're in an airplane, whether you're shopping, snood, no snood, big yarmulke, little yarmulke, baseball cap, everybody knows you're a Yid. You can't hide it. And if you... Your yid, then you don't just represent your neighborhood. You represent all of us in Kalal Yisrael. And when somebody does something on a plane or says something to a steward or a stewardess, and then somebody picks it up and puts it on a video and it goes viral, I mean, 100,000 people are seeing that. You know, it's funny that um, we, we used to, you know, when I was growing up, the vart that my father would always tell us about technology, uh, courtesy of the Chavetz Chaim, I'm sure you've heard this, is that uh, you know tape recorders were created because we can't un- right. we can't fathom how after 120 we'll be responsible right. for every word we say. You know right. now, now we see that you can only imagine what's going up there now with the computer systems and the you know, the, oh, the, the instant searches about everything. But uh, right. but but it's one of the things. And I, by the way, I thank God that I not that I'm such a bad guy, frankly. But I thank God that I didn't grow up in this era of everyone taking out a phone and everything being on video for a second. Because even by accident, you say something, you do something, you, you look at the, you know, the wrong way at someone or you react a certain way because for a moment you're angry about something, whatever the case may be. And, yeah. and as you just said, it's documented forever. And some of it goes viral when it's, you know, it's, when it's a really good fight on an airplane, you know. Yeah, it's just terrible. And I just it's a big responsibility. And exactly, and I, I don't know how to p- properly transmit to the next generation, to my own children and grandchildren, that you're living in a world that's very different from the one we were in. It's funny. I, I hear I hear my parents in me because they were telling me how different the world is compared to what they had. You know. Right. Um, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, if we're trying to prepare our children, you know, for life in general and give them the tools they need, which is something that every generation of parents does imagine what we need to give them now. Right. hundred <sighs> percent. Unbelievable. You know, uh, you know, I, I just, the other day, I'm sure you saw it that the New York times had this terrible article about yeshivas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the other night I spoke at the cope graduation, right. I'm good at Israel has a wonderful organization where, both men and women, you know, in different courses can uh, uh, get become CPAs and accountants. Right. And they had a graduation the other night. And Chaim David Zubel, who's the head of the Agura, said that he welcomes everybody here, but he feels bad that there's one person who they invited who didn't show up. And that was one of the writers of the New York Times. 
because, you know, they invited them. They should see how great Claudia Yisrael is, you know, that they do things sure. for each other and help people get jobs and maintain families. But they don't report that. They just report the negative or what they perceive as the negative. Someone said to me the other day, he said, uh, well, that's amazing, you know, watching how when I see Orthodox Jews get together, it seems like everybody knows everybody. And I said to them, yeah, it's one big happy family. You know? <laughs> and, and, and if only the New York Times and others realize that that family does a r- lot of really, really wonderful things, not only for our own family, but really for people in yeah. general, uh, especially those who, co- who continue to make a Kiddush Hashem with, uh, with the people who are out outside of our community who are Jewish and people who are outside our community who are not Jewish. Finally, Rabbi Krohn, it's the, it's the, if I started with the first story, I may as well end with your final thoughts. It says here, I once saw this one sentence poster in an airport gift shop. This is page 269, right before the end of the book. It said, it's never too late to become the person you could have been. Rabbi Krohn, is it really never too late? Yeah, I, I you know, I think it's, Almost never too late. It's, <laughs> it's, it's true that sometimes, you know, if a person is much older and doesn't have the koiches that they had in their youth, but really, if a person is determined, you can really do anything. And that's what I talk about. Rabbi Freifeld spoke about the four Ds, right. desire, determination, and uh, all, all those kind of things. You can, you can change. You really can change. But you've got to be determined. I hope and pray that the stories and insights in this book will inspire you to reach this lofty goal so that together we merit to see Mashiach in our day. And the goal you cite is of Chaim Velazhner, who would say, Lola Atzmo Nivra, you were not created for yourself, but to help others in any capacity you can. Because we all get older, by Crone, is the goal of this book different than the goals of your early books years ago? Um, I think the basic goal is the same, to inspire and, you know, I know that we're running out of time, but I want to tell you something that I heard from a Chabad fellow the other night. I, I was so amazed at this. And um, I, I, he, he was one of the graduates, and they usually have three graduates speak. And he got up, and it happened to be Yad Kislev, which is the, the Rosh Hashanah for Hasidus and Lubavitch. And he quoted something from the Rebbe that I, I thought was so incredible. He said that we know that there are four types of creations. Um, that Hashem made Doimim, Semeach, Chai, and Medaber. Doimim is something like an inanimate thing, like a rock. Semeach is a plant. Chai is a living animal. Now, the next one is a person. So the Rebbe asked, why, of all things, did the Chazal, who used these four, say a person is a Medaber? A person is a thinker. A person is a builder. He can do a lot of things that animals can't do. Why Medaber? And he said something so brilliant. Medaber, a speaker, or somebody who speaks, is not doing that for himself. It's community. And that's what Hashem created us for. That's the same thing that you just said about When you're a Medaber, you're reaching out to others. And that's really what this book is all about. Reaching out to others, showing them they're good, and they could even be better. That's really what my mantra in life is. Everybody is good, but they can be better. I never like to talk down to people, as you know. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, that's what the final message of this book is. Henry Hudson, we're going down to Brooklyn. Get to the right. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience yeah. has just shared your uh, your journey with you, Rabbi Crone. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs>
Not yeah. not bad at all. What a journey it's yeah. been. And right now, the journey is taking us to the grandeur of the Magid. Resplendent stories of inspiration and elevation. Norby Crone, I cannot thank you enough. It is, uh, even though you might be a Phillies fan, which I'm assuming. Uh, no, no, not really. My mother was a Phillies fan. Right. I, I, I rooted for the Brooklyn Dodgers. I was right. Yeah, I was trying to remember. Of course, you're a Dodger fan after all. And okay, a, but now the Mets and the Yankees, it, but okay. Right. Oh, not, a, but a football Giants also. Uh, where, are they still in the league? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you used to have a much more positive attitude toward them, I'll tell you. What? I, I did until two, three weeks ago. The days that they were winning Super Bowls, you would get on the air and even agree to discuss <laughs> it with me, which was amazing. <laughs> Rabbi Crone, I take this opportunity to wish you a happy Hanukkah, and I hope a lot of Amen. people get the brand Amen. new book for Hanukkah, Mir Tashem. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. An absolute pleasure. The grandeur of the Magid, everybody. It's Rabbi Pesach Crone. It's brand new. It's an amazing book. Young and old will enjoy it. Get it as a Hanukkah gift for anybody, friends and family. Uh, go to artscroll.com. Again, go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. When you do go to artscroll.com and use promo code radio, guess what? You get free shipping and, of course, a major discount. Plenty more coming up. It is a very special Thursday morning at JM in the AM. <laughs>